Hey, ladies and gentlemen, I think perhaps we should start. Thank you for coming out and joining us this evening. It's my great pleasure to introduce to you George Hawatmi, who is currently the chairman of the board of Jordan Radio and Television Corporation. And this, I suppose, is one yet one stage further in his career, which has taken him in the, into the private sector and taken him into the public sector, which has taken him even to North America as a lobbyist for the Jordanian government, but also into North America as someone who, well, I think you ran a chain of gas stations at one stage, George. You were trying to get away from uh, the media in the Middle East and the media in the Arab world. But now it's good to see that you've, for some time now, succumbed to it and decided that this is something that needs your concentration more than most. George, you've been involved in journalism in Jordan since 1981. Since then, you've been particularly associated with writing political columns, but also giving rein to technical matters and issues to do with technical and technological reform in the media in Jordan and indeed beyond. And I know from your topic of your lecture, the Arab media in the new age that you're going to be picking up on some of these issues, looking at where we've come from, where we're headed towards, and what the prospects are into the future. I know you're a little bit shy about speculating too much about the future, but we'll see if we can tease it out of you once we get to the end of the presentation this evening. George has also been very well known as someone who takes part in Track 2 diplomacy, particularly giving a view from not necessarily the view from Jordan as far as a range of different diplomatic activities are concerned. I rifled through my library before coming down here and was interested to find a publication which I think came out in 1988, which was called Jordanian-Palestinian Relations, Where To? Four Scenarios for the Future. And that was a, a Chatham House initiative bringing together the University of Jordan and also Khalil Shakaki's organization in the West Bank. And it was very much George's subterranean contributions which helped to give this publication and indeed others the credibility that it subsequently had. So I know uh, George is after my copy, so uh, I'll have to spirit it away, I think. But um, in the meantime, it would be interesting to hear any comments that you might have about that side of life as well. So without further ado, let me pass the floor over to George Hawatman. George. Thank you, Philip. I've had a terrible cold for the past three days, so forgive my voice. When I came to England to study 48 years ago, I wanted to study medicine. My father wanted me to be a doctor. That was in 1970. But you know, life was so amazing in here. It was the end of the 60s. And I wasn't going to devote my whole entire time to getting three A's in zoology, chemistry, and physics. I wanted to live life here like any young man. So I didn't do very well in medicine. I asked my father if I could switch to philosophy or history, something that I was more interested in. And I, to entice him, I mentioned Oxford, come and get a degree here. But he wasn't very much impressed. He said, no, you can come and study history, or philosophy, geography, whatever, humanities here in Jordan and not cost me that much money. So I succumbed. I studied engineering instead at the University of London. And 
I went to give him the degree and said, that's it. You have your degree that not too long afterwards, I became a journalist. Now, I mentioned this story for two reasons. One, that finally I'm here at Oxford, and I thank you for the opportunity to be here. Give a small talk that I'm going to give uh, to be with you. The second reason is to show that we in the Arab world, and probably in other societies, didn't respect uh, humanities. Those students studying humanities, those students who studied them, didn't get the higher grades. The higher grades went to the doctors and to the engineers. And the lower grades went to history, geography. That's why we have a problem with our teachers, because that's what they studied mainly. With the Islamic Sharia, got lower grades, and so on. And the journalists were among them. Media was a discipline that goes back a, a long time. This is new to the scene, relatively new. But that's our weakness. There's a joke in the Arab world that I think somehow I read it in WhatsApp that a former British ambassador reported to Parliament about education in the Arab world that the smart guys did medicine and, and engineering. The other ones, the ones below them, did business studies and managed the engineers and managed the doctors and so on and so forth. And the ones who didn't make it to college were the military who joined the armies and they ruled <laughs> the Arab world. That may have some relevance, but that was the joke. I never heard, before I read the story, of this ambassador. She goes by the name Jane Marriott, if anyone has heard about her. This is one weakness of Arab journalism. You know, I say weakness because we are going to define Arab media as it is today before we venture into what Philip called the new age, and we have to know where it stands today. There are many other weaknesses that Arab journalists suffer from. Technical weaknesses, professional weaknesses. Professionalism is not something that Arab journalists are known to pursue. Professionalism is you have to be committed to the profession. Uh, you have to devote yourself to it. Uh, we know that journalists mostly, they don't work there full time. They, most of them work half time. They take government jobs, they take any kind of jobs, teaching jobs. So it's not a full-time job. The training is not there. Whatever professionalism means. And other weaknesses like accountability. I don't know what accountability means to you, but it's in the realm of media. It is self-regulation that journalists, in order to keep the government away from them, they take care of their own profession, codes of honor, and what have you. They don't criticize society for not being open. They are not strong on democracy, ways of democracy. And then you have polarization and corruption. Those are two of the biggest problems that we face. Polarization means whoever has the power and the money wins the day. We tend to go and work for them. Those of us who don't work for the powerful and the rich are doomed. You can't live easily and comfortably as an independent journalist. Very few of us are independent.
what's happening with Qatar today and with Saudi Arabia, what happened before with the left and right, with Jamal Abdel Nasser and the others. You know, the Lebanese journalists are accused of being, unfortunately, I have to use the term, bought by the Saudis. The Lebanese journalists that I know, that I speak to, say this is not true, this is the Egyptians fabricating this. It's Mohammed Hassanin Haikal who has corrupted the Arab media. And uh, so it's corruption and polarization that we have to live with. And I don't know whether we'll ever be able to pinpoint who did what. Unless we are trying to solve the problem, stamp it out. We're not going to know. We don't work in the Arab media in a theoretical framework. It's a big problem. We don't know what it is that we are doing. There are attempts at theorizing the media. Like there was a a project, forgive me, I'm not a social scientist, I'm not a philosopher, but it's evident that we work in a vacuum, theoretical, intellectual vacuum. We go about our daily lives without knowing that we're part of this structure or the others where we're heading. There was a project that was done by a Jazeera study center called Media Theorize, and they went to Edward Said, and they went to McLuhan, this Canadian thinker, and to Noam Chomsky. And they wrote about them, and even though Edward Said was an Arab, and the sponsor of the project was an Arab, no such thing was done for the Arab media, for the Arab world, unfortunately. I saw one attempt at uh, theorizing the media, but it was mainly centered on social media. Again, that was done by Al Jazeera Center. But we don't have Anon Chomsky and Edward Said analyzing the Western media, McLuhan analyzing the Western media. If you know of other projects that I'm unaware of, maybe during the time of discussion afterwards, we can talk about it. I think this is a weakness. The other weakness that I consider to be a weakness and others may not agree is nationalism. We tend in the Arab media to hide behind patriotic, nationalistic slogans that we're against Israel, we're against imperialism, we're against Shia or Sunni or whatever. Populism in the West rather than be the eyes and the ears of the public, rather than do our own thing, doing what journalists do, act as the eyes and the ears of the public, the people who seek the truth. Nobody's against uh, nationalism. There's a debate here in Britain about nationalism everywhere, also about populism, but when it occupies you and frees you of the good things that you ought to be doing, then it becomes counterproductive. There are those who think that nationalism and raising the flag and the banner is a good thing, and people like me who are asking to concentrate more on our jobs, our profession, are wrong. So these are the weaknesses that define our past and, in fact, define our present. The Arab media has gone through many stages of development, you know, from the days of the independence movements, the great Arab revolt, even from the days of Napoleon when he invaded Egypt. These are developments worthy of following or knowing about. 
But most recently, as Philip pointed out, since 81, at least, this is my personal experience. And just before that, the Lebanese Civil War, there came the emigrant press. They went to Paris and came to London, established newspapers, and then they were owned or supported by Arab governments, Arab regimes, rich Arabs. And that was a factor an important factor in the development of the Arab press, and I mean the press, rather than the media. And then there came the democratization of Arab countries, Jordan, Yemen, Egypt, and Morocco at one stage in late 80s, 89, 90. And that had an impact on the media in the Arab world, if only because also the papers, the immigrant press, raised the ceiling. And people like me who worked for government-owned newspapers, Ryan, the Jordan Times, said we can't survive like this. We have to have higher ceilings of freedom, otherwise these guys will beat us to the floor because every day they publish something that we in the Arab press were not allowed to publish. After that came the tabloid press. Laws had changed and allowed for the establishment of tabloid newspapers. These were used by politicians in a country like Jordan, by politicians against other politicians. And of course, the people could say in the tabloid press more than they could say or that could be said in the mainstream newspapers. Then the satellite newspapers. Jazeera started in 96 and it did change fundamentally. The Arab media, not only itself, Al-Arabi and other satellite stations, which is partly related to technology. Today, I don't know how many television stations there are beaming on the Arab world. Maybe 2,000 of all kinds. Many of them religious, some news, others entertainment. That all affected the status of the Arab media. And then there came uh, blogs and citizen journalism. Then we were faced with the social media. Now, technology played a significant part in the development of the Arab media. Not politics and geopolitical considerations and regional crisis and so on. They all played a part, but it was technology that allowed for blogs, for citizen journalism, for satellites, so if you want to know where the Arab media is heading, you look at the present, look where we are. Then you have to understand how we came to be here and our present situation, and then look at the future. As Philip pointed out, I might not have a crystal ball, but we're here to analyze what kind of situation we could find ourselves in in the 2020s and so on. Now, technology, how basically it will change us. Fourth Industrial Revolution, Klaus Schwab and the WF World Economic Forum are talking about the Fourth Industrial Revolution. They're talking about a stage where 90% of the articles, news items in Arab media outlets or newspapers will be written by robots. There is also the fourth information revolution that an Oxford professor, Floridi, writes about very often. We're trying to look at how we will change. There will be change. We've changed already, but how these will change us further. Now, at the WEF and in other 
forums. They look at how the business of information in the West or the media will change. For us in the Arab world, I still don't know of any serious attempt to study where the Arab media will be with the progress of these two revolutions. There was at the last WEF meeting in Davos a white paper concerned with the Arab situation that was written, but it did not touch on the field of information or on the media. The discussions and the debates were on Western media, newspapers. How are they going to survive? And it was about time, or it is about time now, that we look at our own newspapers, see what will happen to them. In a country like mine, in Jordan, I counted the copies being distributed by the day since I was editor of three daily newspapers. I mean, I knew and followed the, the business. There were, at one stage, 100,000 copies sold every day in the Jordanian market of daily newspapers and weekly newspapers. Today, we have 44,000 being sold. And what is easily noticeable is that nobody is missing them. The journalists are losing their jobs. But the people are not, they're not that high of a quality for people to miss them, unfortunately. As I told you, I edited three of them. Related to the newspapers are advertisements. Advertisement or advertising volumes are decreasing by the day. How the West is handling that? Well, they have ways, they monitor very well on a daily basis what is happening to them. And they have suggested solutions like targeted advertisement, what use, who follows what. They even go to 3D printing. So presumably they will uh, survive editorial relevance. Are we doing the same thing in the Arab world? It seems like we're just following what the West is doing, even in social media. What is social media? Facebook? Philip was started by the Zuckerberg at Harvard for his college colleagues and what have you. A few thousand followed, then a million, then the, the venture capitalists followed, and this Facebook has become one of the great social media outlets in no time. But being the venture capitalist who took it to here, now we can see all the problems that result from that. The Arabs just followed. The Arabs are very social, and they found this as a way to continue their tradition of being social with each other, and also a way to save money spending on the media, either buying newspapers, or posting condolences and uh, wedding congratulations and what have you. They found themselves in, in this. So we'll come to discuss social media in a little while and what choices we are faced with. But then we come to television and radio and we have statistics that you may not be that interested in that the younger generation, they spend one hour listening to radios a week. The same generation, 10 hours watching television. Same with newspapers, the same figures, but we follow very closely trends in the West, how the new generation. But then you have the government-owned or run radio stations and television stations like my outfit. 
and they run them like any other department. It seems they don't have the will to change. They are happy with posting the leaders, governments, official them. Happy to post their videos, attending functions, and doing other things, and they don't want to change. What the private sector is doing is of very little relevance. So unless these Arab regimes want to change, it wouldn't matter what they're doing under the fourth industrial revolution or in the new information age. Likewise, with other aspects that related to media, censorship, for instance, entertainment, we'd have to follow what the West is doing. One deal that in the U.S. is being talked about is the takeover by either Walt Disney or Comcast, I think, of 21st century, the one that Fox, that Madoc owns. And the value of the deal is estimated at $60 billion. Now, $60 billion is twice the size of the Jordanian economy in terms of entertainment. So can the Arabs do much in the way of improving entertainment, changing it under the fourth industrial revolution? Maybe, but I I think it's highly unlikely. Censorship is used by Arab regimes to prevent information about them being leaked to the press, not wanting people to see items that they don't want people to see. Professor Floridi says about censorship, again, with term of theorizing the media. He is saying censorship may be necessary because information as power can be abused and then there may have to be friction put in front of free flow of information to slow it down, to keep balance in societies. And of course, uncertainty. He highly believes in creating a little bit of uncertainty because societies like ours don't necessarily believe in total freedoms. And they believe that there is one answer to a question, whereas in the West, there should be many answers. We should keep our minds open. So these are questions besides, of course, the media and democracy. Can the new media in the new information age play a different role from the traditional media? We have not played a great role in introducing or promoting democracy and liberalization. We waited for the others to come. Yes, we did during the Egypt 25th of January Revolution, the downfall of Mubarak, when we used our computers and smartphones to bring it down. Maybe before that, in Iran, the demonstrations there, I think it was 2009, was it? So that role can be played by advances in technology. However, we've gone back on this. Even the freedoms that we Uh, One in Jordan, for instance, as a result of social media. We've gone back on that that one. There was legislation that impeded any kind of progress there. Now, talking about legislation, there are people who are advising uh, for the imposition of legislation. One piece of legislation for the social media, the other for traditional media. 
for the press. But if you want to impose the same kind of legislation, now we lose freedoms on both fronts. So can we improve? Can we do better under the fourth industrial revolution or the fourth information revolution? The answer is, I don't know. That's where I don't have the crystal ball. I can think of improvements that will take place, but there are also going to be impediments. In any way, it won't happen. 5G telecommunications in Jordan won't happen for another seven years, according to the head of the regulatory body that I spoke to recently. Seven years, that could be 10 years, could be 15 years. The Emirates are doing better. Dubai is doing better. It could take them less time. So we're not there yet. I wish we could tell what kind of situation we'll find ourselves in with the new technological revolution. We know that it did affect us. Technology did affect us, as I pointed out, and it will continue to do that in the near future. But one thing is for certain, with the Arab media, with hard-hitting, hardcore journalism, newspapers can survive if they can maintain their quality, their integrity, independence of the media. Look at what's happening with Trump today and the Washington Post and the New York Times, other television stations. They can protect freedoms. They can protect democracy. They didn't play that role before. We cannot claim that they did, for instance, did that during the invasion of Iraq, the first one in 1991. So what will happen to the media in the Arab world depends largely on what happens in the West with the governments, with democracy, populism, and with the media itself. We've got to talk to each other about how to improve our situation. I just need to tell you that in using the term Arab media, I didn't mean one monolith. They're very different. In Morocco, there is one media. In Kuwait, there is another media, just as there is a different regime in either countries. In the Arab world today, there are pan-Arab media organizations. In the Arab League, they try to create a commission for Arab media. They failed. They have a, an assistant secretary general, Haifa Abu Ghazali, who is in charge of the media. But we don't have a commission. So let's be very careful in using the term of Arab media. I think it would be a mistake to lump everybody together. The United Arab Emirates are creating ministries for happiness, ministries for, I don't know what, for all these uh, advancements in technology and the other areas. Uh, maybe that will help us a lot. Maybe it will impede our work. Philip, what you mentioned about Jordanian-Palestinian relations and regional changes, they indeed are important. They can change the face of not the geopolitical situation in there, 
but the media as well. And much will depend on what happens on the ground in the Arab world in terms of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, in terms of what happens in Iraq, certainly in Syria and in other countries as well. I criticize nationalism as being used by journalists as grandstanding. They don't need to use it. But, you know, Arabs have a rightful cause in Palestine, and they feel, the journalists, that they have to defend it. But they have to find ways where we're not talking to ourselves. A good newspaper is like a society talking to itself, but it becomes too much if you just devote your time and energy to repeating that we have the right cause instead of doing the right thing, studying the issues, looking after the younger generations, and so on. So yes, the regional situation is very important. It can impact the media. How far we will be changed or change to face the new age of information, we, unfortunately, I cannot help you much with. Maybe in your comments, in your observations, in your questions, you can help us shed light on it because you would be interested in this question as much as I do. Your presence here proves that. I leave you with this, and we're willing to continue this through discussion, observations, any comments. Please do feel free to criticize what I've said, add to it, subtract from it, whatever you feel like doing. There are no doubt points that I've worked out on that I have forgotten to mention, but by all means, I think by the time we end this seminar, we will have come to uh, talk about most of the points that we need to talk about and trying to discern directions where the Arab media is heading. So I thank you for listening. Okay.